This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Hi, this is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author kick-ass international thrillers and this is the taylor stevens show with my good friend steve campbell where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time so taylor uh, a couple of weeks ago by the time people hear this it will have been a couple of weeks ago you uploaded a new version of the preview whatever you're calling it uh to patreon the sneak peek. For, for the sneak peek of the fulcrum and so after that was done what did you do just dig right back in to do some more writing that's what I should have done. No, I am. Um, that was a huge milestone for me. Like I've had that, like a sword hanging over my head for so long because I, I've been working on this manuscript for, well, basically since December. And I keep telling people, yes, I'm making progress. My brain is starting to work again. Um, I'm still very, very slow. It's still difficult, but I am working, and especially my patrons, I want them to know that they're not just yeah, not sitting around the house eating bonbons, um, but I, I I couldn't upload a, a new draft or a new version of it until I got far enough past the where I keep getting stuck, and a lot of what I was doing was this major rewrite, this overhaul, right? So I, I just had this sword hanging over my head for so long, and finally, I got it uploaded, and I had to reward myself because it's such a big deal. And I rewarded myself with what? <laughs> a day at the spa? A weekend <laughs> at a hotel? What did you do? Cleaning the house. Cleaning the house. <laughs> <laughs> Getting stuff off my to-do list. <laughs> Mowing the yard. <laughs> Painting the fence. <laughs> I just, okay, so I have to apologize. If you're hearing noise and bells or whatever in the background, it is the kitten. He's in this hyperactive stage, and it doesn't matter how far away I move his toys, try and get it away from the recording. You're still going to hear it, so that's what's going on. But And if you're um, new to the show, you have missed several different animals over the lifetime of this show that that have become involved in the show. This is the latest. If you've been around for a while, this is yet another one. Yes, this is Pounce de Leon found inside the engine of a truck and now about 12 weeks old. And he's mine, my baby. (laughs) Like I don't have a bazillion babies already. Anyway, I've had this massive list of things that I've needed to take care of and I can't focus on writing and then just stop and go do something else and take care of all the day-to-day stuff and then come back to writing. My brain just does not work that way. So when I'm pushing towards a goal, that's all that I do. I mean, I eat and I sleep and take care of basic stuff. So yes, the house was still getting swept and the dishes were still getting washed and so was the laundry. But beyond that, like clutter was starting to build up and just things that I've needed to take care of are starting to weigh heavier and heavier on me. And so my reward to myself was clearing that mental space. Like I, I consider it an investment actually, because I do so much better when um, my space is 
not uncluttered and clean and organized. And if I didn't have a job, which is writing, uh, I, I would spend so much time every day just cleaning and organizing because it feels so good to me when my space, the space around me is empty of all that stuff. So anyway, I've spent the last week just every single day just going at it. And it's been fantastic and amazing. And tomorrow marks the last of it. I'm having some contractors come to the house to deal with um, just some stuff that has to be taken care of. And so after that, then I'm going back into the water and I'm going to be doing like focusing on on trying to get that first draft written because I'm, I'm just winging it right now. I've never had that opportunity to just write the whole story. And I don't know how far I'm going to get into the writing before that sword starts to show up over my head again. And I'm like, no, I got to get another uh, sneak peek with more material uploaded. But it's kind of like my own personal, you know, NaNoWriMo <laughs> thing going on right now. It's just to race, do this race to the finish line, see how much of the first draft I can get filled out and then start going back and rewriting the next chapters that come. And when you restart the process, you will do so presumably uh, mentally refreshed and like really ready to go? Presumably. That doesn't mean my brain's going to work the way that it should or that every day will be a good day. <laughs> but that's the hope. Well, you won't have the weight of that uh, list that has been building and building and building and building yeah, over the course the of the last been... uh, while over, over your head. Uh, well, this has been much shortened, and I am just, I feel this immense sense of relief because of it. When we were talking before the show, you were telling me about something related going on in your own life, and I want you to tell our listeners about it. I've been really busy, just like with work and life and things, and so it it made it really easy for me to say that I just don't have time to work on this material that I should be working on and that I really want to work on. I just, I don't have time because I can't focus the mental energy on it. And I have been telling myself that for months and years, there have been, years. let's not get, <laughs> let's not get carried away. <laughs> Cause there are dates on the files in there. So it, it hasn't been years, but it, it, it has been, a significant number of months. I've been walking more in the morning and as a, trying to unplug to just get my brain away from everything that just that that is a part of our all of our lives right now that's just dumping into our heads constantly. And so one of the things that that became clear to me as as I was walking and enjoying silence was that I would really be a lot happier if if I were making progress on this story. And I thought, okay, well, how can I do that? Well, I can't do it because I don't have time. And then the weekend came, and Ohio State was playing, and as many of you know, I'm a big Ohio State fan, so I sat down and I watched the game. That was four hours. And then Sunday came, and I went to church, came back. Well, we, we had lunch afterwards, came back, and I sat down and watched what's called the Red Zone. So for for people like Taylor who aren't football fans, red zone is like sitting there watching every NFL game on Sunday with a remote control in your hand and just clicking from game to game, but you don't have to do the remote control. Someone else does it for you. So every time something exciting happens in a game, they just take you to that game. So it's very easy to sit there 
and watch football, which I did for seven hours. And they start oh each God. show by saying, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> get ready for I'm seven not- hours of commercial free football. And I get really I'm excited. Oh my God. I'm not. Oh my God. that you spent all that time watching football. Like, how could you? It's t- seven hours of anything. Yes. Wow. Yes. And so I did that and I got up <laughs> and I, I probably got up to eat or grab a snack or go to the bathroom or something. But, you know, I got up and it's, it's like 730 and I'm like, where did the day go? And why did I do this? And I, I find every year that I do this like halfway through the football season and it's three weeks into the football season. I'm already like, this is, this is too much. And the next morning I was walking and tied it into the amount of time I was spending watching football. If I were spending that time writing, how much progress that I could actually make. So I made a deal with myself, which was that for every hour I spend writing, I can spend an hour watching football. And And? that for, for most of you, that probably just seems like an absolutely ludicrous deal, but it's actually worked for me. So last week was the first week for this. And I spent, a considerable number of hours writing by getting up early in the morning and doing it before the day actually started. And by the end of the week, it's like, wow, I can't even watch that much football. So I wound up writing for about three times the number of hours that I spent watching football over the weekend. And I was pretty happy about that. That must feel amazing. I know it would feel amazing to me. And I know like it's, it's possible that only a very small number of our listeners would relate to that on the, you know, from the perspective of football or some other sport. But I think we all have passions or things that we enjoy that we can find ourselves just lost in time with. With some people, it might be social media, Instagram or whatever. With others, there might be some show that we love to binge. And it's stuff that it allows our brains to escape. So I don't want to say that it's wasted time because sometimes we really do need that escape, but it's not productive time. And if you don't have something going on in your life that you need to use that time for productive, productively, then good on you. But if you're like me and apparently like Steve, where you just start to feel ugh, like you want to do this other thing, right. But you not have, don't have the time. Then finding to, to trade yourself that, you know, reward yourself for every hour than this. And you make that deal. If social media is your time suck, then it could be, well, for every hour I write, I can do an hour of social media and you stick to it. I think it could completely change your writing experience. I was going to say change your life, but that might be a bit much, but it could absolutely (laughs) change your writing experience and change the way you feel about yourself. Because I know for me, if, if it takes too long and I'm not seeing the progress on the work, I, I feel unhappy about it. I feel bad about myself personally because I'm failing at what it is I want to do, what I need to do. And, and to see that come to fruition, the, the, the change that can come about just from five hours a week is monumental. I am so excited for Steve over this. And I just thought that it is, such a good idea for those for whom it would work to, if you're stuck or you're having a hard time carving out the time, maybe try a deal like this that Steve did. And I just thought it was brilliant. I don't know if it's brilliant, but it, it worked. So it, it, it was a success in week one, which is great. And I felt a lot better over the weekend by 
not watching as much football. And we really, Julie and I went out and did some things yesterday that, that was really fun. So because I, I was more fulfilled, I guess, just with my week, getting to the weekend made me more inclined to want to actually do something instead of just sitting there and numbing my mind watching football. It's so, I, I just think it's amazing. I, I love it. It makes me happy. <laughs> so it was clear to me that I, I needed to a write more and B spend less time watching football. And so that was, that was good. And we're kind of going to be talking about that this week in a completely different way. We're going to be talking about less is more and how less can be more in writing. And that's not less writing, not less time in the chair writing, but actually just less of, well, you'll see. Well, sometimes fewer words are stronger words, basically. So this topic came to us courtesy of Nancy, who has a longtime listener and we've uh, um, brought up some of her questions and material before. And so she sent this to me quite some time ago and I just, I just haven't had a chance to, to get to it because she was responding to the podcast that we had done on story weight. I'm just going to read to you what she wrote and then we, I want to discuss it a bit. And so she's given, she's given me a few examples to work with here on this idea of sometimes less is more. She says, your recent podcast on story weight made me think of how sometimes minimizing something actually gives it more weight. I know your discussion was about not including things that aren't important, but I'm thinking of weight in a different way, where less is more, and how less can be so much more effective than a profusion of words. My first example is from Demelza by Winston Graham. In this book, Demelza and her daughter get very sick. And we spend a chapter dealing with the beginning of their illness, and the next takes us into Demelza's hallucinations. Now Demelza is better, and she asks about her daughter. Her husband tells her to rest, that she can see her daughter tomorrow. And then the text reads like this. Obedient, she closed her eyes and presently began to breathe more deeply and more slowly than he had seen her do for five days. He went over and stood by the window, wondering if he had done right to lie to her for Julia had died the night before. And so we learn her daughter has died. This is one of those suck-in-the-breath moments. We didn't see this coming at all. This was the end of the chapter, and the next chapter begins with Julia's funeral. Graham increases the weight of the announcement of Julia's death by keeping it so brief. My second example is a journal my grandmother kept. Grandma wrote two or occasionally three lines each day about the weather and activities such as housework and visiting with relatives. When my aunt, the second of grandma's four daughters, died of breast cancer, grandma wrote for several days that my aunt was in serious condition. Then she wrote that she passed away. Two days later, she wrote, we are all very sad. In the next days, grandma mentioned my mother's arrival, other relatives, the funeral, the weather. Again, only two lines each day. And on the sixth day after my aunt died, Grandma wrote that it was a nice day, and she did laundry. My other aunt went downtown, and she worked in the garden. And then she wrote, I am sad and lonely. Those few words convey so much more than if she had written pages about losing her daughter. See, I'm choked up from that. <laughs> and it is. It's very, very powerful, the way that that is conveyed. And I thought those two examples of less being more the the way that you can convey that emotion 
through very concise, I would say diction, but it's not, it's, it's written, the written word. Uh, it, it can be very, very powerful. And in thinking about that serendipitously, serendipitously, I don't know how to pronounce that, um, I stumbled over a quote by Harry Guinness on the same subject. And he said, overriding is a bigger problem than underwriting. It's much more likely you've written too much than too little. It's a lot easier to throw words at a problem than to take the time to find the right ones. And I know for me, in my writing, that is absolutely true. Um, if, if you've listened to this show a lot or for any length of time, if you've read my work, especially as it's progressed over the years and I've, I've learned myself as, as my craft has progressed, you'll notice that I tend to write rather sparsely. And I do, I use a lot of very, act, I try to use a lot of very active, very strong emotion grabbing words. And my goal always is to say as much as can, po can possibly say, be said using as few words as possible to do so. And in that goal is not just to be all um, Hemingway with, you know, <laughs> she died in the alone in the rain or whatever, but it's to create emotional connections with the words, to use words that are very vivid which is what we mean, I think, when we talk about using strong verbs. And so to create that imagery, that emotion, as concisely as possible. But to do that, I go through a lot of words, a lot of words. And it's this process of writing large and cutting it, cutting it, cutting it, cutting it down, and rewriting it and rewriting it until I can find a way to say the same thing more elegantly, which we've talked about that before as a coding term for or basically what we just described about as accomplishing as much with as little as possible. So I just, I thought it was very, very good topic that, you know, these examples that Nancy brought up were, were very powerful. And this, this quote, from Harry Guinness, and it all kind of ties together with what's happening in my own writing process right now in that I had I've just finished uploading this file, but to be able to upload it, I had I did this massive overhaul and this rewrite, which involved going back and um, d doing a lot of cutting. I The first two chapters, we've talked about this before, in that book are the the tightest of any like they they're not rough draft in terms of tightness they're they're really well written if I may say so myself but they, they weren't finished they weren't complete because what was missing was all the emotional components of it it was very plot centric and that's very normal for me when I'm doing a first draft because I don't know the whole story. I, I'm learning the characters' emotions as I go. And by the time I get to the end, I've got that all sorted out. And then I can go back to the beginning, the beginning and I can re-tweak re it to be able to get that direction in the way that it needs to go. But this was not a normal writing process. And so 
these earlier chapters were very, very well written. Not rough, not first drafty at all, except they were because the emotional components weren't there. And so part of this rewrite was I've got to get this sorted out or I'm not going to be able to make forward progress because I keep stopping and starting on this thing. So the changes between how the original first two chapters read and how the current ones read are very subtle. And if you're not paying attention, you might miss them. They are impactful, but it took thousands of words and trying and no, that's not quite right. And rewriting thousands of words and so much trial and error to get it to where it reads the way that it does, where you have to pay attention to even notice the changes. But the changes are as far as their emotional impact or how the the character's inner world drives the rest of the story is very impactful. So that's another example, I think, of how less is more. I didn't go in and add paragraphs or change paragraphs, but I had to start with a substantial amount of words to get to there. So like Mr. Guinness was saying, the bigger problem is overwriting. And it's easy to throw words at a problem and hard to take the time to find the right ones. And the payoff, though, is definitely, definitely there in terms of substance, if that's the type of book that you're writing. Like people, authors who are going for speed, and they're they're just not going to have the time to do that. And that's fine. That's a different type of book. Readers want different things. But if this is the, the goal that you're aiming for is that elegance, then yes, less often is definitely more. And and to write a sentence like I am sad and lonely instead of paragraphs of grief is so much can be so much more impactful under certain circumstances. So that's what I've got on that. I also got choked up when you were reading those diary entries and I, I'm just like going through my mind, like, why, why, why? I, I don't know this woman. I, I barely understand the, the circumstances under which she's writing these. It's just, but the brevity of the text and the clear meaning was so impactful. And so many times we think that we need to explain to the reader what, what the emotions were and 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 do it through, I don't know, feelings in, instead of the simple, I am sad. Yeah, I think also kind of going off on a little tangent here from that is you can't convey that type of emotion with that level of brevity unless you are very close to the character inside, in touch with the character's emotions, but also closeness as in inside the character's head. So if you're writing from a distance, um, then it's not going to work in the same way. But when the character's thoughts and inner dialogue are right there, just up front and center, and you're like viewing the story through the character's eyes, like so close, then absolutely that would work. And sometimes it's analogies or metaphors that will do it. When you can encapsulate the sounds or the feel of a city, 
<laughs> the little cat just jumped up on my desk. That's what that noise was. Uh, when you can encapsulate the the sounds, the feel of a city in just a sentence of analogy, what the city feels like versus, you know, all the sights and the things that you're seeing. And one example that I use, I don't know if I've ever done it online not online. Sorry, I'm distracted by this little cat. He's trying to crawl over the computer. Um, I don't know if I've ever done it on this podcast, but someone I know for sure that it happened in a class, uh, like a in-person question and answer session. Someone asked me about description, and I said, "So let's say that you're walking through a cathedral and you're trying to explain." where the character goes as he's walking through this cathedral, what it looks like or whatever. And, and the tendency is to go into a lot of detail about the windows and the stone and the structure and how things are laid out or whatever, because what you're trying to do is convey a sense of realism to your audience so that they feel like they're there with the character. But it doesn't really matter how much you describe in terms of what the character sees, it's not, you're going to take, it's going to take so many words to do that, but with a few senses, a few words of, of sensory input, you can totally change that in a very less is more way where you describe the cold and the smell. And through that, you've immediately placed the reader inside the environment and you don't have to describe the light coming through the stained glass windows or how big they are, or whatever you, you know, cavernous and cold, <clears throat> excuse me, cavernous and cold and smelled like 200 years of pained humanity or something like that. Right. Just random. And you're there, you're there inside this massive cathedral. And so that's an example of how you can, take an environment and go lots of words of, you know, walk down, however, I can't even do the lots of words, but, and you can convert that into just the feeling of being there, which is maybe possibly something you might need more in your work than a character saying, you know, I'm sad and lonely. It's the same idea, but just in a description is something that every book is going to have regardless, right? But it can only happen if you're present with your character. And sometimes in writing, you need some writing styles, just they don't want to be that close to the character. That is how I do it, but not it doesn't work for everything. So if your technique or your voice is a little more distant, then it will mean you have to come up with your own way of doing it. But the the foundation behind it is the same is that if you can accomplish the same with fewer words, it's going to be much more meaningful to your reader. All right. So in terms of the show, I think we have accomplished what we wanted to. And rather than adding additional words, we should wrap it up <laughs> <laughs> and say, thank you guys for listening. Right, we will be that. back with you next Tuesday. Thank you guys for being here. And we will be, be in your ear again. See you next week. <laughs>